Okay, well, it's lovely to be here. Can we just close our eyes and pray before I begin? Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you that we had such an awesome time of of being able to worship you and encountering you. And Father, I pray that as I speak, as I prayed this morning, that I would not speak with wise and persuasive words, but rather with a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to come to open our eyes to see that which you'd be showing us. Open our ears to hear. Quicken us in that which you would want us to be responding to in Jesus' name. Amen. So I just want to share a quick testimony. Um, I was here in April, and George made a comment this morning that I seem to be coming quite frequently. It was not my plan to be here now in December, but in about August, I began my daughter, um, Rachel, which some of you know, has just finished grade 12, and she was busy um, booking a ticket to South Africa to be with family and with her boyfriend, who some of you know, Luke de Vlich. And um, so she paid for her ticket. And then a few weeks later, this longing began to stir in me to come back for Christmas because next year when I am continue in my work, there are only kind of two-week holidays, and that's just not enough to come back to Durban and see all the people you know. And so by the end of August, I had this kind of longing, this desire, and I said, Lord, I don't know if you've put this in me, but if you have, then you need to provide, because we don't have the finance or the means um, to pay for the tickets for me and the children and for Garnet. And so I said, I might be able to scrounge together one, one ticket, but Lord, I'm needing you to at least provide two tickets for us, because at that time, Garnet wasn't sure he'd be able to come. And I just left it with him. I spoke to my mom. We were trying to work out air miles, and you try to do things in your own strength. And that's what we were trying to do. And eventually, I just said, you know what? It's not going to happen. If God wants it to happen, it will happen. Well, about three weeks later, Garnet phoned me, and he said, the accountant's just phoned. He can't understand it. But it seems that the school has got you on the wrong tax bracket. And so you will be getting $6,000 back. And that paid for not one, not two, but three whole tickets to fly to South Africa. So here we are. It's awesome to be here. And let me tell you, I wasn't going to say this, but your testimony can become somebody else's testimony. There was a lady in our church who um, was single. She'd been looking for, uh, longing for a husband for a very long time. And we had been praying with her through that. In July this year, she got married. And she married a guy who was studying with Bond University on the Gold Coast, who I might have the country wrong, but I think it's Nigeria. And um, she was sitting in the meeting where I gave this testimony of the tax man giving back all this money. And I mean, that's unheard of, really. I thought maybe $100 or something like that, but what an awesome um, blessing. And she heard this. And at the end of the meeting, she said, could you pray for me? Because we are really longing to go back to his home country so that I can meet his family and be a part of their Christmas celebration because they weren't able to come for the wedding. And um, so we prayed, and I said, God, what you've done for me, you can do for others. What he does for you, he can do for others. You can claim other people's testimonies. And so we prayed and we believed. And when I was on the plane, when I landed in Perth, I, I think it was in Perth, I got an email for her saying, you won't believe this. Do you remember the story about the tax man? Well, he just paid me out and he paid for two tickets to Nigeria. We serve an awesome God. We serve a God who is faithful. We sung about that this morning. Right, to get into what we're going to be speaking about. You know, in the Christian calendar, this time is known as Advent. It's a time of waiting for that which is new that is coming. For us, we know at that time it was about the birth of Jesus. They were awaiting the birth of their Messiah. And if you look at that Christmas story, there's so many different people involved, from shepherds to to angels to Mary to Joseph to Zach. There's just a whole host of people. But if you follow that story, each one responded and went through something different. But it all culminated in the coming of Jesus. And, you know, I don't know about you at this, in, in this time. I'm in a different country, so it's okay. I don't have all the stress. But often we live through stress in these weeks. It's about what presents are we buying? Are they going to be enough? Will they be liked? Who's coming to Christmas lunch? What am I going to cook? What food are we going to have? Are the family members going to get on? Or will there be the traditional family fight? Or whatever it is that we're facing. You know, and it causes fear. It causes trepidation. It causes insecurity for some. It causes doubt. It causes um, disillusionment, disappointment. Could also be expectation. Advent is about expectation and um, preparation, but there could be a whole host 
of emotions or feelings that you're feeling right now as we're leading into the last week coming up to Christmas. And we forget about the reason that we're celebrating. You know, when Mary and Joseph went um, to Bethlehem and they went to the inn, I don't want to be that person that is so busy doing everything else that I don't have time or space to allow them in. And that's a challenge for us as we come to this, Christian, um, this Christmas um, period. But, you know, it reminds me of our bigger picture. Each one of us, I'm sure, at some time in our lives and even continue in our lives, find, our place in a place of, uh, find ourselves in a place of transition. You know, we know as Christians that, as um, Sandy said, we await. Jesus was born at Christmas, and we await the coming of our King. That is our journey. That is our ultimate journey, is journeying towards him coming and journeying towards us seeing him face to face and experiencing the glory of being with him. But in our everyday lives, we also face seasons of transition. And you know, if you look at what the word transition means, it actually means the process or period of changing from one state or condition to another. It's that process of change. It also signifies that there's something to leave behind and there's something that you're moving towards. And it's that kind of middle ground. And God reminded me of this picture. We don't have this in Australia, but in South Africa, and I was reminded of the banks, and I haven't been to one here yet, but I was reminded of the bank that, you know, there's that double kind of door. And you step, the goes green, and you step in, and then you wait until it turns green again so that you can get out. And some people see transition in that, as that. It's that time of waiting in between, you know, what you've stepped out of and what you've stepped into. But I don't know about you. For me, transition isn't just standing there. It's like a roller coaster ride. You know, sometimes you're up. Sometimes you're down. Sometimes you're hanging upside down. Sometimes you're kind of coming in. And it's this real um, turmoil of emotion and sometimes confusion, disappointment, hurt, um, uncertainty, insecurity. And so we're kind of caught in this time of frustration and waiting for. And the problem is, as Christians, is when you're in that place, often, because you don't have a full picture of what's to come in that particular season of what God is doing, it actually challenges your faith. It challenges your faith in God. It challenges your belief in God. It challenges your trust in Him and in His promises. Because you're kind of in this in-between phase and you don't know exactly where you're heading. But you know, the awesome thing is, is that God says this in Isaiah 49, 16. He says this, See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hand. Each one of us, if we've come into that full revelation of who he is in our lives, we are engraved, in, engraved on the palm of his hand. Isn't that awesome? He's got you. He's not going to let you go. And God wants us to know that even in that time of waiting, in that time of transition, he's with you. He's for you. And we serve such a faithful God that he's actually gone ahead of you. He's pre prepared ahead of you in time. He knows the plan that he has for you. And he says in his word, it is good. It is to give you a hope. It is to give you a future. He has gone ahead of you and he's planning that road out for you. You know, when I got to Australia, one of my biggest fears, and this, I know it sounds crazy to some, but one of my biggest fears was not the making the friends or the settling in because I'd done that many times with my dad being in ministry. And I'd also lived on a different continent in England. My biggest fear was driving. And the reason is, is when I got to England, although, praise the Lord, they both drive on the same side as the road as us. But when I got to England, I had to redo my driver's license. And I failed the first time. So did Garnet, actually. And then we passed the second time, okay, as you do. I think that's pretty much the same here. And, um, but my fear in going there was, I'm going to have to do that driver's license again. And I've picked up a lot of bad habits along the way. And I'm thinking, I don't know if I'll get it the first, second, third, or fourth time. Because I'd heard about the Aussie police and I wasn't that keen on coming face to face with them. But um, God was good 
and he went ahead in time. And by the time we got there, they had just changed the law, and you could just hand in your license and pay, and then get, you pay for everything, and then you get a new license. So that was pretty good. So he had covered that side of it. But I still had to navigate the streets and get myself around because Garnet was already working. And I had to prepare. We only had about four days to get the kids ready for school once we landed there. And one of my best friends became the TomTom, the GPS. And, you know, it told me where to go. It told me when it was recalibrating. It told me when to turn around and go the other way. And it did all of that for me. And that became vital if I went out in my vehicle because I had no clue which direction I was heading in. But, you know, God has given us a gift different gifts. And one of the gifts we will be celebrating in a week's time, and that is the gift of Jesus. But you know he's given us another gift, and often this gift is overlooked, and it's the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, I'm uh, embarrassed to say, God reminded me of this in worship, but we had Christmas away from home uh, the last Christmas. We went down the coast um, into New South Wales, and we had Christmas there with Garnet's parents. And I'd taken one of those plastic boxes and all Naomi's presents that she opened went into the box. And when we came back um, to the Gold Coast, the box came with, and it landed up in the garage. And in um, September, I was going through some things, and I pulled out the box, and there were Naomi's Christmas presents. She hadn't missed them, number one, and she hadn't even opened them in terms of actually taking the stuff out of the boxes. And I began to realize in worship that God has presented gifts to us. Some of us have opened those gifts and we've taken a look, but we've left them there and we've never actually opened them to begin to use them. And I was suddenly started pulling out these gifts. Naomi thought it was Christmas all over again because she forgot that she even had them. And suddenly she had all these new things that she could use. And that is what he wants to say to us today. When you're in that place of transition, it is not an easy place, but he's given us the gift of the Holy Spirit to be our GPS to get us through, to help us navigate the path that we are going. That even when we don't know what it's going to look like, he navigates us through as long as we are tuned to him. You see, we, my challenge for 2017, and I pray you will make this your challenge, is to get to know the Holy Spirit more intimately. Not to just leave him on the side, but begin to know his voice. Begin to know when he is moving, whether it be as the wind or the fire or that still small voice. Begin to know that, hang on, this moment is not just a coincidence, but this is a God moment. Begin to become sensitized to him. Because you see, the Holy Spirit is the one who is your comforter in your trials. The Holy Spirit is the one who is the warrior in your spiritual battles. The Holy Spirit is the one that is the teacher of God's word for you. He is also your counselor. He is also the one that goes before. He is the one that speaks on our behalf. He is our defender, the Holy Spirit. How many of us have left some of those gifts of the Holy Spirit on the back burner? God is calling us to go back and reopen and relook at those gifts. You know, the trial of transition. All of us have been in that place. Some of you might be finding yourself in that place right now. Just the fact that you've been through two, I've heard a lot of people that I've spoken to since I've been here saying how bad or hard 2016 was for them. And it's that that kind of trepidation of looking forward in 2017 and going, is this going to be a better year? Or is it going to be the same? People are facing their time of transition with disillusionment, with disappointment, And you know, the problem is that when you do that, you can become stuck there. And you know, God helps us in this, is that he gives us people in the Bible that we can look at. So many different people went through transition in the Bible. I mean, if we look at David, here was David, young boy, they call him in from the field and he gets told he's going to be king. This is the one. He still goes through facing Goliath. I mean, if I'd got to that point, I thought I would have arrived. You know what I mean? You've taken out a giant. This is it. This is my moment. But then he still goes into the army, and, they begin, and he begins to become victorious in defeating other, other armies. But yet we still find in the Bible that he didn't step in to his destiny and his purpose right there. We still find that he went through a time of hiding in the wilderness because there was threat on his life. He still went through trial. 
He still went through difficulty. I mean, can you imagine going, but I thought I was meant to be king at that point, and he's hiding. I mean, we look at Esther. She arrives at the palace. This is her moment. But what happens? She goes through 12 months of preparation before she steps into that which God has for her. Can you imagine what it would have been like in that palace with all the other people all trying to vie for attention and be the next best person? And they, you know, it's all that's going on and you're trying to look your best and be the best and all of that. Can you imagine? Then we look at Mary, an ordinary woman, virgin, going about her daily business. And an angel shows up, suddenly of God. An angel shows up and everything changes. But there's still that time of transition from getting the word to the turmoil of how is Joseph going to respond to this? What's going to happen to me? Are they going to believe me? Are they going to stone me? To get to that point of where Jesus is birthed and still not really knowing the bigger picture. But you know, the awesomeness of God is he knows your journey. Like I said, he has gone before you. He is with you. He has prepared a way. And just like with those people in the Bible, we see his faithfulness. We sung about it. He is faithful in bringing you through to the fulfillment of his purpose for you if you will partner with him and partner with his Holy Spirit. Let's look at Ruth, another one, Ruth in the Bible. I love the story of Ruth. We all know the story of Ruth, a few short chapters in the Bible. But there's something we can learn from what, how Ruth responded to the transition that she was faced with. You see, we have Ruth and Naomi, and they are in Moab. Naomi lost her husband. She journeyed there with her husband from Bethlehem, and she loses her husband in Moab. And then she has two, she's got two sons, and they are, get married, but then she loses her sons as well. And now she's stuck in this place, Moab, with two daughter-in-laws, but no husband, no sons. And so she decides, she begins to hear a good report from her hometown, from Bethlehem, and she decides to go back there. Now her daughter-in-laws face a decision. And at first they decide to do this journey with her, but then the one daughter-in-law turns back. But Ruth, she decides to give up her family and her culture and to follow Naomi to Bethlehem. It's a time of transition for her. What is lying before her? She had no clue of what was lying before her. She didn't know what it was going to look like. She pledged to follow Naomi. She was faithful to her. She honored her. And not only did she pledge to follow Naomi, but she also pledged to follow Naomi's God, the God of Israel. She pledged to be faithful to him, to serve him, to take, to give her life to him, for him to become her God. But you know, when she got to Bethlehem, the transition did not stop there for her. Because when she got there, she was a foreigner in that land. Naomi got there and some remembered her, but she was also a stranger to her own people. And here they are, they arrive in this place thinking this is it, but there was still transition to come. They were still in that place because they arrived with no personal resource. All they had was their faith in God and the hope of a better life. And you see, what Ruth didn't know, she didn't know the bigger picture. She didn't know that she was actually going to marry Boaz. And that Boaz was a relative of Naomi's past husband. And that everything that had been lost to them would be restored. She didn't know that. She didn't know that she was going to bear a son that she was going to place in Naomi's arms. She didn't know that that son was going to become the great-grandfather of a king. And she didn't know that, that, uh, that Jesus, the Messiah, would come through her family line. She didn't know those things. But all she did know was to take the next step in the way God was leading and guiding through this time of transition. And she chose to do that. She chose to take the next step. And you know, the problem is, I have faced this sometimes daily this year, when you're in that time of transition, is that we become discouraged. We become disillusioned. We begin to question the signposts that the Holy Spirit has put along the way. And it causes us to want to give up. And we can actually become stuck there. Stuck between what was and what is to come. 
And the kind of things that get us stuck, our disappointment, our discouragement, our insecurities, our fears, is anger, unforgiveness, offense, hurt, rejection, rebellion. And it causes us to get stuck. Why? Because we're in a spiritual battle. And the enemy knows the plan that God has for your life. And he doesn't want you to move forward. He doesn't want you to take that next step. He'd rather you get stuck exactly where you are. Because you see, the promises of God, we need to contend for them. We need to contend for them. We need to be taking that next step and not just sitting in a waiting position. You see, I believe that God, what God has for us, ahead of us, is far greater than anything that you've left behind. Because he says, I give you a hope and a future. He says he will give you the desires of your heart. He says he has a plan for you, and it is good. And so what you're leaving behind is nothing in comparison to what he has for you. The other thing I believe is that Christ in you is far greater, far more powerful, far more able to overcome the enemy and take out the giant that's facing you. The enemy has no power in comparison to our God. Do we believe that? Because you see, when you're moving through your time of transition, you need to know who he is. If you don't have a full understanding of who he is, you're not going to know who you are and the resources you have available to you to pull you through. You need to get an understanding of who you are in God. And you need to begin to step into that, led by the Holy Spirit, as he reveals more and more and more to you. Every time we face encounters or difficult situations, we have a choice. We have a choice. When you are um, facing those mountains of opposition, let me tell you something. You begin to look to what God has done before. With Gideon, as he faced a mountain of opposition, there was this mountain, this army ahead of him. He had whittled down to 300 men. And yet the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and enabled him to overcome that mountain. It brought that mountain down. The Holy Spirit, he brought that mountain down. And there might be mountains that you're facing right now. It could be financial. It could be your marriage. It could be a family member. It could be health. And you're facing this mountain of of opposition. And it looks like it's totally all-consuming. And you begin to call out and you begin to call of the power of the Most High, the, the, the Spirit of the Lord to come upon you. And let me tell you, He will take that mountain down. You know, you look at Mary. There she was, a virgin, an empty womb. It's empty, okay? And yet the power of the Most High. That's what the Bible says. The power of the Most High came upon her. What did the Most High do? What did that do? What did the Holy Spirit do? He breathed life, purpose, destiny, color, form, order into that womb, which was empty. And what came from that? Let me tell you, Mary didn't know what she was carrying at that time. Ruth didn't know what her future looked like. But when God comes, and there's some people here have a very strong sense that there are people here that right now you're stuck in that time of transition, and you're stuck and you're feeling alone, you're feeling like it's dark, you're feeling like there's no future, you're feeling like you're empty. And my challenge to you is to call on the power of the Most High, to come and breathe life, purpose, destiny into you, because He will place something in you that will come to birth. That is our God. That is the God that we serve. Let me tell you that when you are feeling alone, when you are feeling discouraged, you have got the whole of heaven backing you. If you are a child of God, Jesus is sitting on the right hand of the Father. He is interceding 24 hours a day on your behalf. Not only is he interceding, but whatever situation you find yourself in right now, he is singing songs of deliverance over you. Not only that, but God commissions his angels. The hosts of heaven are warring on your behalf right now. 
The Holy Spirit fills you and he intercedes with groans and utterings. He's there to lead you, to guide you, to take you through. What more do you need in your situation? Or are you going to allow yourself to get stuck there? It's so easy. I've been stuck this year. Are you going to allow yourself to get stuck there and to give in to everything, that all the lies that the enemy is speaking over you? We have a decision to make. We either allow ourselves to get stuck or, as hard as it is, we embrace our situation as an opportunity for growth, for maturity, and for transformation. Our God is all about transformation. He picks us up out of the pit, out of the mud and the mire, and he sets our feet on solid ground. Right now, you might feel like you're sinking in that pit. And God says, I want to come, I want to pull you out, and I want to put your feet on solid ground because that's the God that I am. That's the person that I am. We need to throw off all those things that entangle. We need to throw off the things that are holding us stuck, the chains. We need to throw off rejection. We need to throw off hurt, unforgiveness, all those things, and begin to say, you know what, God, I'm going to take the next step. I'm going to take the next step. You know what um, Ruth did? When they were sitting there in that situation with no resource, with nothing, she didn't give up. She could have said, I'm going back. I said that numerous times in Australia. But she could have said, I'm going back. Okay? I've said it a few times this year too. And Ruth said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. She didn't just wait. She took the next step. It could be a big step. It could be a small step. But she took the next step. She was proactive. She didn't just sit in her place waiting for provision. She didn't just rely on what she was feeling, which was probably run, get out of here. Instead, she served God. She served Naomi. And she was faithful. And she simply did the next thing she knew to do. She took the next step. And you know, when you are in that time of transition and you can't see the future, you can trust God. You can believe in his promises because he will give you the strength, the courage to take you through. The other thing she did, so she gave up everything. She committed herself to God. She took, she was proactive. But the next thing she did was she followed biblical principles. And let me tell you why. Because earlier on in God's word, it says in Leviticus that God actually made provision for the poor and the foreigners. And the way he did that, he said to the harvesters, when you harvest your field, I want you to leave leftovers for the poor and those that can't provide for themselves to come and to begin to glean. And so Ruth knew that. She knew her God. She knew what he had set up. She knew his provision. And she stepped straight into that provision. God has made a way for you. He has provided for you. Are you stepping into that place? Because by stepping into that place of provision and beginning to glean in the fields, it set her up and positioned her for the very thing that God had for her. If she had not gone into that field, she would never have met Boaz. God positioned her through his provision, through her stepping into his provision. You know, when you are afraid of what lies ahead or you're not sure you can do something and you're filled with that insecurity and doubt, you've got to begin to fill your mind with God's word. It is living. It is active. It's truth. And the way the devil gets to us is through his lies. You're not good enough. You'll never make it. There's nobody out there for you. It's lies. Fill yourself with God's word. Fill yourself with his truth. And what I love above everything, so when you find yourself in a situation, you, be, you take scripture. There is power. There is power in the written word of God. It's not just a story or a whole lot of stories put together. There is power in that word. It is living. It is active. It is a two-edged sword. And you pick up that word and you begin to declare it and you begin to speak it over your situation. Because our God is a powerful God and his word will not return to him void. Not maybe if, if I did it this way or did No, you pick up the word of God and you begin to declare it over your situation. You begin to say, thank you, Lord, that your word says that you will never leave me or forsake me. 
Thank you, Lord, that your word says that you crown me with your favor. Thank you, Lord, that your word says that you will not withhold one good thing from me. Thank you, Lord, that you say that if I trust in you, even if I don't, and I don't lean on my own understanding, you will direct my path. Thank you, Lord, that you show me signs of your goodness. Thank you, Lord, that you say wherever I place my feet, you will give me that ground. Whether it's your home, whether it's a community, whether it's a workplace, he will give you that ground. And you can become the catalyst for God to bring revival in that place. Why? Because you are there. Not because of who you are, but because of whose you are. And he gets to work in and through you. When the Holy Spirit comes and when you encounter him and you begin to know him more intimately, it's an ever-growing relationship. We never reach the end. There's always something to learn, always something new, always a new gift to unravel or unwrap. And it's a continual journey. And yes, we will face trial. Yes, we'll come up against opposition. But you know what? He is fashioning us. He is forming us into his image so we can become his image bearers. And as we are filled with the Holy Spirit, he flows out. And he will impact the people around you. So here she is. We have Ruth. She's in the fields. She's gleaning. And who does she meet? Her Response to God's provision has given her a divine positioning, and it's one of favor. It's one of favor. Psalm 84, 11 says this, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. Do you know that right now he bestows favor and honor on you? Are you going to accept that? Are you going to begin to take that on? I'm covered by his favor and his honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. She put herself in a place, and, and because of that, she found favor with Boaz. He actually saw her. He said, who is that woman? She came to him. She spoke with him. He said, follow the other woman every day. Follow them. Take what you need. Take what you need. He even gave her food. She took what she needed, and she took more back to Naomi. It didn't just affect her life, it affected the life of others. And that's what he wants to do in and through you. When you're in that place of divine positioning, he sets you up for divine appointments. Divine Holy Spirit setups. And let me tell you something, if it wasn't for those setups, I probably wouldn't be where I am today. It was because I could not dispute what God had done and the people that God brought along our path this year that I stand where I am today. He sets you up for Holy Spirit setups. Listen to this. Naomi says to Ruth, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz. I love that. As it turned out. In other um, versions, it says, as it happened. Let me tell you something. To the world, that might seem like coincidence, but that's no coincidence. Right there is a, ho a God incident, a Holy Spirit set up, the suddenly of God, beginning to fashion and form a destiny and a purpose and a future for him. He makes a way where there seems to be no way. He will make a way. There was a song we used to sing way, way back when, and I have sung it to myself so many times this year. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways I cannot see. God will make a way for me. He will make a way for you. So what? there's Ruth. She's gleaning in these fields. She meets Boaz, a relative of Naomi, and he becomes her kinsman redeemer. In a week's time, we will be celebrating Jesus, our kinsman redeemer. But she meets her redeemer, and he has the ability to take Ruth as his wife and restore Naomi's family line and inheritance. Let me say something to you. What would have happened if Ruth had not been faithfully following God's word? First of all, giving ownership of her life to him, taking the next step, faithfully following his word and provision in the little things, what would have happened if she hadn't have done that? 
Because she did it, she was positioned for a miracle. She was positioned for a miracle. Let me tell you our story. I know I was here in um, April, but I didn't actually tell you all that was going on when I was here in April. Um, towards the, uh, in June last year, I probably did tell you this part, but in June last year, we moved our church, Streams of Life, from a home into a school building, a brand new school that had been built in the area of Pimpama called King's. How awesome is that? So we got to have Streams of Life at King's. And um, King's was a school, um, kind of a satellite school that come out of a school further down the coast, um, the Gold Coast, in a place called Ready Creek. And what their vision is kind of, it's a school and kind of church partnership where they plan a school into an area and they begin to um, engage the area and express the Father heart of God to the people in that area. And then they come in and they plan a church. And so we knew in going to Kings that it would just be a short-term use of that building because 2017, they were launching church, satellite church. And so we met there from June up until the end of um, December. Um, And in that time, Garnet had a real urgency and a heart to meet with the pastors of Kings Ready Creek because he wanted them to know who we were using this building, what we believed, what we stood for, so that they were happy that we were there. And they didn't see us as being, um, you know, a threat to watch to what they wanted to do, which now will fall in February 2017. And he tried to get that meeting for a period of time, but Pastor Greg, the leader of Ready Creek, was, he's a very busy man, and he was busy. And, but you know, God's timing is perfect, 100% perfect. And we met with them, I think it was maybe the beginning of November. We had um, coffee with Pastor Greg and with one of the other elders and with his son, Carl. And I was sitting next to Kyle, and we sat at this meeting, just sharing heart, sharing vision, and it was like I was sitting with my father. The heart, his heart was exactly the same. Same vision, same over coffee, let's meet for coffee in a coffee shop, you know, all that stuff. And I sat there, and I was just amazed at God. And funny enough, his wife, Kyle's mom, was born in Peter Maritzburg, and living in Australia. They'd also been on the mission field in Mozambique for 10 years and run mission and lived with um, the underprivileged in Mozambique. So he knew, you know, he had a feel for who we are and what we're involved with. Anyway, we had an awesome time with them and it just went so quickly and I landed up sitting next to Kyle and we just talked, 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 talked. And um, it was like something connected. There was a connection. And, you know, I was just so amazed at the graciousness and the humbleness of these people because as we were leaving, um, Pastor Greg turned to us and he said, I want you to know that we will make any resource available to you and to what you are doing. But as it came to pass, we needed to move out of that building in December because um, the school was growing, which was a good thing. And as that school grew, they needed more space. Long story short, we moved into the next available building that we could find, and we had to meet on a Saturday afternoon. But in doing that, it just became really busy. Garnet and I were the ones, mainly Garnet, setting up, setting down, teas and coffees, running children's church, doing the worship to YouTube, um, preaching, teaching, pastoring, doing all that stuff. And we began to be carrying that burden alone. And I've got to be honest and say he did it far better than I did. There were come times where I just thought, God, I cannot do this anymore. But I know that the the community of people were just so beautiful. We loved, it had nothing to do with the community of people. It just had to do with the business of having a full-time job, having three children of all different ages, um, having no help, um, and just being in this place where God is trying to run a business, work in a business, run church, and just the busyness of all that that involves. And so when I came... um, so, so that took place. In February, beginning of February, we had a tea and a coffee with Carl. He said, I'd love you to meet my wife, Tash. We had that. It was awesome. Our hearts connected. We shared vision. Garnet said to him, listen, we know the power of prayer. We've seen it. We've experienced it. Susan's family have experienced it. And we think it would be a great idea if we start getting prayer buses going through this area on a Friday evening. And we join with you to begin to pray for that, what God is going to do in and through your church. And so we were able to take our people on this prayer bus and pray and bless and plant in the spirit into what King's Pimpama 
was going to become. What an awesome privilege to be able to link together in unity of what God's doing. We could sit on our own and do our little thing. But you know, there's something about people coming together to extend his kingdom and to be, to be an outpouring of him to the people in your area. Long story short, come here in April and I'm struggling. I'm struggling, I'm struggling the whole time I'm here. And it was a very busy time. George had me up 24 hours within arriving here to preach and so it went. It didn't stop from there. We're going to get you back. Just wait. And, um, and so this was all happening and it was a very busy time. But I got on the airplane and I shared a bit of my heart with Garnet and I might have said something to one or two of you. But the Holy Spirit was beginning to move and to stir. And, um, but I was thinking, Lord, am I just so tired or is this actually you, Holy Spirit? You need to give me one of those divine appointments or moments. Got on the airplane. Now remember, we opposite end of the world, Okay. Sitting on the plane from Durban to Joburg, I don't do flying, as you know. I hate it. Now, I'm with the kids. I'm not being very nice to Garnet in my thoughts because he's fly, flown ahead. He doesn't deal with the trauma and the emotion of the saying goodbye to family and all that stuff. And here's me carrying all of this burden. Anyway, I'm on the airplane. I'm saying, God, there's got to be more than this. There's just got to be more than this. And about 15 minutes out of Joburg, I become aware of the woman. God alerted me to her handbag. I mean, a handbag. I don't even worry about handbags. But I saw the, the label on her handbag, and I thought, I'm sure that's from overseas. Having lived in different places, I couldn't remember if it was Australia or England. Anyway, so I thought, okay, I'll ask her. She must be from overseas. So I said, oh, where are you flying to? She goes, Zimbabwe, Harare. I'm thinking, this is a young girl in her 30s. What is she doing in Harare? And I said to her, so what are you doing there? No, I'm a missionary. I work for a church. I'm like, wow, that's awesome. And something's starting to stir within me now. And I've just been praying, remember, God, what is going on? Anyway, so then she says to me, oh, and, and I said, well, we're from Australia. We're flying into Brisbane. And tomorrow morning, we're part of a ministry. She goes, oh, I was in Brisbane last year. So I said, oh, that's awesome. You know, it's a huge place. And she goes, but actually, I was on the Gold Coast. And I said, oh, well, I'm from the Gold Coast. And she said, actually, we went to a church there that we ministered with. And I'm like, oh, it's a big place, you know. It's about an hour stretch, the Gold Coast. So I said, oh, that's awesome. Which church did you go to? And you know that knowing. And out of her mouth comes King's Ready Creek. And I'm like, you have got to be joking. And I looked at her and she goes, oh, and we became best friends with Kyle and Tash. And I'm like, God, you've given me the church. You've given me the couple that are planting, Kyle and Tash. And I'm sitting on a plane from Durban to Joburg. How much more of a divine appointment is that? And got home, spoke to Garnet. Three weeks later, we had a, um, dinner with Kyle and Tash. I said to Garnet the whole way, they don't you dare open your mouth. Do not say a thing. You don't even, you know, let on what we're thinking right now. Anyway, we sit there. Kyle says one thing to me, and it all just comes rushing out. And Garnet's looking at me as if, say, seriously, woman? <laughs> Are you bipolar? Are you, you know, something going on here. Anyway, so I just let the whole thing out. And Kyle sits there, and he looks at me, and he says, you're not going to believe this. This was a Thursday. He said, on Tuesday night, somebody came to me and said, you're going to have a very significant meeting that's going to take place this week. And I think this is that meeting. And so then began a journey and a process. George and my mom came out to Australia. They, um, George spoke at the church at Streams of Life, but we went to King's and he met Carl. And there was just a connection of hearts. And George said to us, yeah, you could grow this church on your own, but it's going to kill you because it was literally killing Garnet. And, uh, and me, and he said, or oh, you can partner with them. And so as the journey has gone, I waited for our leaders to come to us, and one day they came to us after a prayer bus and said, do you think we could be joining them? And that was the moment. Did it mean it was easy? No. Boy, we faced opposition after that. But just to cut that story short, at the beginning of next year, 12th of February, Garnet and I get the privilege and the honor of partnering with a young crew, we the oldies, which is a little bit daunting, but I mean, there's Carl and his wife and Matt and Kayla and God and myself. They're in full time. We're just supporting them, but we get to help them plant the church called King's Pimpama. On the 12th of February, we launch. How awesome to be part of team. I tell you what, it's freed me up. <laughs> I feel so much lighter. I have no clue what it's going to look like. But I know this, my God has gone before and he's prepared a way. And we get to impact a community. One last story. You know that I've been a chaplain in a school. What a privilege. 
didn't know what chaplaincy was, but I've learned fast. And it's just such an honor and a privilege to be able to stand alongside pre-preps all the way to grade 12. And it's been awesome. But in this year, I've also had my qualification as a teacher recognized. And so I do need to do some teaching next year. And they said to me, what class do you want? None. I think the headmaster thought I was crazy. He's like, well, if I offered you any class, and I was like, I don't want a class. I don't want preparation. I don't want, work. I don't want anything, that, the paperwork. I don't need it. I don't want it. He said, okay, well, what about if you're a relief, just relief teacher around the school? Perfect. Awesome. I can just walk in one, one day a week. The other three days, I still get to be chaplain. A month ago, just over a month before we closed, an email comes up with new jobs on the staff. And there's one of expression for interest for the person who gets to shape the spiritual life of the school next year. The person who gets to set the new subject, what is, they've had a subject called Christian Perspectives. And the problem is all those kids land up in the RTC, which is responsible thinking. How you get punished in Christian Perspectives, I'm not sure. But there they are. And um, this person gets to set the whole faith and life curriculum from grade 7 to grade 12. You can do whatever you like. You can bring in whatever course you like, whatever speaker you like. You can do electives where they can choose what they want to study in that time. And something jumped within the, within the inside of me. And I thought, Lord, is this it? I don't want to teach. But, I mean, I do want to teach, but I don't want the other stuff. This job is not a marking subject. It's not... Um, an examinable subject. It has been this last year. Anyway, I thought, I'll go and speak to the headmaster. There's nothing to lose. Another teacher saw me on my way to him, and she came across, and she said, have you seen that job? I said, yes. She said, it's got your name written all over it. And I was like, well, I don't know. I'm going to go speak to him, see if he'll let me teach it. I, don't, I haven't taught high school. You know, all these things that discount me. And I went, and I said to him, what do you think? He said, you know, I forgot all about you. You completely fell off my radar in terms of teaching. I clean, I clean forgot to set you up with the class. And I thought, yes, God's gone before. He knew exactly where he wanted me next year. And I've got to say, when that job description came out, I thought I'm not even applying. It was too big, too much for me to handle. And I actually got an email from the headmaster the morning the, job, the application had to be in, and all it said is, are you applying? And I thought, well, is that a good thing or a bad thing? And I'm like, yes, I'm applying. And I put my letter in at the very last minute called me in for an interview the next day, and I pretty much talked myself out of the job. But the next morning came to me and said, you have that job for 2017. You get to shape the life of faith and life at Livingston Christian College. High school. <laughs> Am I equipped in my own right? No. Do I know anything of what I'm doing? No. But what I do know is the one who holds me, the one who leads me, the one who guides me, is completely equipped. And he's gone ahead of me, and he's prepared a way for me. And yes, there will be flack from those people that have been caught up in tradition. But boy, oh boy, we're going to break tradition. We're going to break religion, and we're going to start a revival in that school. Why? Because he's put people there to flow in and through and touch a community. And I'm fully believing that teachers on staff, I'm fully believing that children in that high school and even into the junior school, I'm fully believing that families and that community be impacted by the truth of who God is. But it takes that next small step. It takes partnering with him, stepping into that place of provision, allowing him to position you and set you up for divine appointment. That's what it takes. And so for those of you, as we close, for those of you, uh, this is what I'm feeling. I'm feeling that there are people here that it's like you have got concrete around your feet. I felt it all morning. It's like you are stuck. And there's this looking back and this looking for, but not knowing what that looks like. And just feeling completely and utterly stuck. There are people here that you've experienced the love of the Father. You've experienced the working of the Holy Spirit. You've experienced Him. But it's like you've been in the wilderness. And you are in the wilderness. Just like uh, David's story. I mean, he still believed in God. But it's like you are in a wilderness time right now. And it's like the, the, the past keeps drawing you back, keeps drawing you back, keeps drawing you back. And I feel like God's saying the Holy Spirit is pursuing you today. You know, he pursues us. He pursues us. He's calling you back into the fullness of who you are in God. There are other people here that you're looking into 2017 and it's daunting. And God says, don't do it alone. The challenge today is, will you partner with the Holy Spirit? 
when you allow him to come and fill you, flood you, flow through you, embrace you like a blanket around you so he will take you through. Let's just close our eyes and pray. Father, we thank you that even though we go through these times of transition, that, Lord, you break in and that you take us through. Father, if there's anybody that is stuck here today, if there's anybody that is disillusioned, hurt, disappointed, caught up in um, rejection or confusion or hurt or pain or anger or offense, Father, I'm asking you to bring them to that place today where they break that off and they choose to make a decision to work with you and to be led by you so that they can be transformed into all that you've called them to be. Father, I pray with the hope has died in many, that, Father God, you would cause hope to arise right now, that faith and life arise right now, that power of the Most High, you will come upon people right now. You will breathe life into those very barren places. You'll be breathe purpose and destiny into them right now, that something would ignite on the inside of them that goes, I'm going to stand and I'm going to make a step forward. There's some of you here today that you actually do need to stand. You actually do need to shake off the very thing that has been trying to to cause you to give up. You need to stand. Even now, if that's you, just stand. I'm standing. Just stand in your seats right now as an act of faith, as that next step saying, Father God, I'm standing and I'm shaking off the dust. I'm shaking it off and I'm shaking myself loose with your help, Holy Spirit, not in my own strength, so that you can set me up for all that you have for me. Father, we want to just give you all the glory. We want to give you all the praise. Can you start playing that song at the back? Oh, no, you never let go. Father, we just want to give you all the glory, and we just say thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you're a big God and you have a big plan for each one of our lives. Help us not to forget who we celebrate at this time of the year and to embrace the gift of Jesus, but the gift of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. For those of you out there that are responding or would still like to respond, I'd love to pray with you. There are a lot of ministry team that will pray with you. But if you're needing a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, if you're needing something broken off you, I invite you to come forward. And for us to pray, if you are one of those people that have been in the wilderness, that have known God, and you find yourself in a wilderness right now, I'd love to pray for you too. In Jesus' name, amen.